Happy New Year, everybody! My name is Ken from Open Space Ventures. With me, two other unreasonable folks: Vishal Hanal of 500 Global, Michael Blakey, Cocoon Capital. It's 2022. Hello, good evening. How is everyone feeling? Vishal, how are you feeling? You just came back from the United States. <sighs> I'm feeling good, man. I'm ready to kick off the year with a bang. Tell us, tell everybody, where did you go in America? Well, it was my first trip away in in close to two years, right? Oh. In a year and a half. So the experience of getting on a plane, flying, being away for you know two and a half weeks was quite phenomenal. Highly encourage people to get it out of their system. It was it was very very enjoyable. You look anyway, fresh, and your eye bags go. look big, so Thank you're jet lagged, you. but yet Thank you're you. so cute, Thank amazing. You. Your hair's still great. I, I, Thanks, guys. I'm now blushing, so I don't know where to look. But where did you go? You went to Miami. So I was in Miami and New York. So Miami, we had our 500 Global LP meeting, AGM, pre-money conference, and then firm retreat, all in the same place. And what was remarkable about Miami, I guess, was a few things. Number one, it was amazing to see everyone again after such a long time. We're a large global organization, so we hadn't seen each other in the longest time. I hadn't seen my own partner Kylie in in close to two years. Is, is the human factor? It was a, it was a tearful reunion. Really tearful. Wow. Yeah, it was. It was for for many people. It was a very very emotional reunion. Imagine. Yeah, and yeah, it was it was just remarkable seeing human beings again after such a long time. <laughs> it, it felt it. You know it. People talk about the Zoom culture and how everyone's normalizing to it, and I was one of the huge and strong proponents of working in a distributed way in a distributed space. Even today, I encourage people to work from home in my teams as well and try to optimize their ability to function at full productivity at home. But when you meet human beings, oh, it's different. It's it's a completely different experience, right? The the fidelity at which you have conversation and connection is just. Just yeah, I think the fidelity is actually the right way of looking at right. it, right? It's high resolution metaverse. But looking at the, you know, not that I kind of stalk you at all on social media, but you know, <laughs> looking at the videos that you were posting, it was definitely it high fidelity. <laughs> it definitely felt like I don't think I see a single mask there, and there was a lot of close contact with other humans, which must have been. So interesting to see so how they I dealt was, with it in Miami. I was in Miami for nine days, I think nine or eight days. Day one and two, I was very Singaporean about it, which was my mask was on. I was paranoid. I was, you know, scuttling to and fro locations very, very quickly, avoiding eye contact with people. You know, like social distancing myself. But in Florida, COVID's not a thing. So the entire state treats it as you know, like an anomaly. It didn't happen. Imagine you're living in an alternate reality where COVID did not exist. And by day three, I felt I, I was brainwashed. I was I was drawn into the matrix of non-COVID and just let loose for you know six days of mask-free existence. Did not catch COVID. I was fine. I got lucky. I was double Moderna, you know, boosted and everything. So did you I work kinda... out with Jeff Bezos? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I did not work out with Jeff Bezos. But got to meet Kathy Wood. She came for our uh, AGM, so that was amazing. She's a remarkable human being. And after Miami, which was, by the way, it happened. All of this was taking place while Art Basel was taking place in Miami. Art Basel has just become an excuse for. Crypto slash Web three people to get together, party, and discuss you know the next latest trends, whether it's NFTs or the new DAOs that they're working on or whatever else is happening. After Miami, I went to New York. Now New York, which is just a three hour flight away, is still in the U S. Very very different sort of like setting. A lot more reserved. 
social distancing, mask wearing. Okay, people okay. Checking. So people were just, you know, being somewhat Singaporean-esque. Oh, what did you do over the holiday? Let me guess, you worked. You, you, you fucking worked, right? I, I did. <laughs> I, I will say one thing, though. I you work didn't on? work on Christmas Day. <laughs> okay, great. So I, I had that. I took one day off where I didn't didn't do anything. That was mostly because I was having a 10-hour Christmas dinner. Because as it was raining in Singapore, we were meant to have a break so we could all go swimming. But as it was raining, we couldn't go swimming. So we just decided to carry on eating. You started out with a Christmas lunch. So and you- Christmas lunch and 10 hours later, we dinner. finished the dinner. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so I wasn't really up from doing much work after, uh, after that. No, look, I always like working during the Christmas period because nobody else is really working. So you can feel like you can get up on top of stuff. You can, I sound really sad, don't I? Well, okay. I mean, but, but <laughs> I, I, I then had my kids. My, I had, I had my two, two of my kids came over and, you know, 10 year old, six year old, and they've been running me ragged. Oh, bless so they'll be going, they'll be going home in a couple of days and uh, I can then get back to, to work. So you were saying that you definitely felt that you were burnt out at the end of 2021. Yeah. I, I, I think it was me. I was like a lot of people I was working with. I think, this has been a long year for numerous reasons. I yeah. mean, but it's probably the first time that I've actually, you know, I would say end of November, beginning of December, I was just really finding it. I was having to drag myself to work. I was really kind of not having the same yeah. enjoyment that yeah. I had, was having before. And I felt a lot of the people around me, not just the uh, other people, the other VCs, but also the entrepreneurs. I think, you know, two years has really kind of dragged on for people. Did you realize that you were burnt out or did you only figure out that you were burnt out after relaxing? I would say I didn't, at the beginning, I didn't know what it was. I just felt like maybe I'm not enjoying this anymore. You know, maybe I should try and do something different, but it it suddenly came when I, when I, you know, I'm always quite open about my feelings. So I was talking to other people and they were like, oh my God, Michael, we're feeling exactly the same. I think just, you know, and then it's kind of, kind of, you quickly realize that it's, it's burnout. But I think it's really important to, to talk, especially to those around you. Like if you are struggling and everything else, I think it's just really important that you're kind of open to people about it because you'll quite often find you're not the only person yeah, that, that's no. struggling with that. But Ian, what have you been up to? No, um, I would echo Michael's thought, which is that I didn't realize I was burnt out. And by at the end of the year, it was it, it felt very much like, you know, oh gosh, we have to go to the office and deal with this issue again. There are only so many pizzas you can make at the office. There's only so, so many, many slopes you can see. Sh- it. Sh- but wow. after two <laughs> weeks, <laughs> so for you guys, yeah, so I spent two weeks. I, I, I took off. I found a mountain in Europe. The kids skied. The kids probably skied about 135 kilometers. Wow. Yeah. But when you say you take off, did you actually like yeah, disconnect. totally disconnect? That was the amazing thing, Michael. Because Jeannie was like, you're never, you're not going to disconnect. I know you, I actually literally disconnected. First time I've, like for 14 days, people were worried, like, is Yen okay? Is he coming back? And I just, I was on a mountain. What I was doing was kind of reflecting and also trying to make sure that my kids didn't fall off a mountain. And, you know, they, they skied well, but, oh my gosh, there are no amateur skiers in Switzerland. I'll tell you that. It was, yeah. it was pretty intense. And then I went to see my sister in London. <laughs> I dodged the Omicron variant. And I got back and did the VTL Squid Game. <laughs> Skipped, like, escaped from the from the from the uh, quarantine, and then I'm back. But I feel so much more refreshed. I, you know, like it's not about taking a holiday somewhere. It's really about disconnecting. That's the important that part. That is true, right? Like actually unwinding and completely 
cutting the cord from work. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Because obviously, I've failed miserably every time I've tried to like disconnect. Have you got any tips, like uh, in terms? You know, because I, I always I'm, I'm panic. Say, the world. I'm going to say I'm going to say something mean. Yeah, but I say it with the best of intentions and a full love for you, Michael Blakey, yeah. which is. The ability to not disconnect comes from a false notion that without you staying connected, yeah. the world is going to fall apart. <laughs> the world is I not going to survive without you. The yeah. truth is, everything moves on and everything is fine. So you just got to do it. That is true. That is true. And that's what everybody tells me, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm just scared. Well, you know what? Uh, we're surgically what, removed. What's the, the worst handphone? thing yeah. that's going to happen if you're not online for two? Like literally, what is the worst thing that's going to happen? I, I don't I, know. We're all in I, the same profession. I, I, I don't no, understand. No, no, no. And, you're, and you're, you're totally, totally right. And I know if there ever was an emergency, like Will or one of my team yeah. would reach out and say, like, this is something. But I just, in my, I, okay. I think maybe I work so long by myself that I just become very dependent. It's really hard for me to delegate. It's why I was an awful founder. I could never delegate. Okay, but I'll, I'll give you one practical tip. Yeah. Turn off your WhatsApp notifications. I dare you. Uh, that's a good point. You, yeah. all, all notifications. I've done no, 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 yeah, all I, notifications. I, I've I done that. I, I did have, that for a month. I know. I have no notifications on my phone. Oh, is that the why you only, never? You never the, yeah. I never check my phone. Like if you notice, I'm not playing around with my phone ever. I have zero notifications. I open my apps when I want to open them and check it. The only time my phone rings, and I've created exceptions, and you can do that. Is when the, the Ferrari dealer says your car's in trouble, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, we're we never living this one down. Okay. Um, is when is when my parents call me, or when my brother calls me, or when you know, like I get a call from my assistant. Those are the only times that my phone will ring. That's okay, when I when I go to the UK and I'm, I've got a couple of weeks holiday, I'm going to do that. It's life changing. I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. No, someone told me to do that. I didn't believe him. I did it. It's life changing. And then the other thing is, go find another person to back you up because shout out to my firm, Jessica Puller. Congrats on that. We just made Jessica partner of the firm. Um, she's helping the growth fund. And so, yeah, Great they, they actually ran the firm when I was not around. And, Good uh, thing, diversity. Yeah. yeah. Well, she's, she's, now, she's now somewhere <laughs> in the middle of America plowing snow through a snowstorm. It's her time to go and play with snow with the kids. Yeah. So it works, you know. Yeah, go. I'm sure you'll find other people that can cover you. Come on, it's not that. Don't get me wrong. I've got an amazing team. It's it's it's, you, right? It's not. It's not. Enough said. It's me. Let's move to the topics we want to talk about this week. And given that it's the beginning of 2022, is it just the year 2022, or is it 2020? Oh no, it's 2022 again. <laughs> and so uh, I've seen this, this deja vu. Deja vu. So, uh, I've what seen I, this movie. <laughs> so what I do every year around, you know, December 20th is I say Merry Christmas to all the smart LPs, all the public market LPs I have. And I said for my Christmas present, can you tell me how you guys are going to invest in 2022? So uh, the macro overview of what the world is going to happen in 2022 I love how he's actually changed the story because originally yeah. it was like anybody that was smarter than Correct. me. Correct. And, and then when I pointed yeah. out, as I never received a, a message from him, yeah. neither had you. Yeah. He, he then changed I it. I called to it out early because you were going to ambush me with that, right? Yeah, exactly. I didn't send I, I you that. Have waited. Email. I didn't say so what's what going to happen. And simply because you're, you, we're not public market guys, you know. I asked all the public market people what they think was going to happen. Was the Dow going to go up? Is the S and P going to, you know, flounder? Is Nasdaq? Where should we be from an asset allocation perspective? So, would you like to hear what they told me? 
I'll set it up yes, for you yes, guys. Yes, please. Okay. I can't wait. Okay. <laughs> well, the smartest people that I know in the public market side said that 2022 is going to be a great year, a fabulous year, because whilst there is the threat of inflation, everyone admits that inflation is not transitory. The Fed's not going to do that much to curtail it. They'll have a couple of rate hikes, and the markets will therefore be somewhat benign. Right, and fixed income is not a place you can hide anymore because of the threat of rising inflations. So you have to choose your spot where you want to invest on the equity side. On the one hand, you could go all Jeff Bezos tech growth, pump it up, or you could do like rotation stocks. You know, things that have been beaten down, airlines growth, uh, the comeback of the world after Omicron earnings growth. That's the choice that you have to make. Uh, some people are choosing point A. Some people are right. choosing point B. What do you guys think about that idea? That actually the world's going to be perfectly fine and it's going to be a good year. Reasonable or unreasonable? Okay. Like, let's say let's say it's great, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's 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 do this from first principles. Let's say it's let's say it's an excellent vintage, right? Everything is working out perfectly. Stocks are on a roll. Markets are doing well. More money is being allocated into into. Omicron tech. saves our ass. Omicron saves our ass, right? Like, there's a huge amount of opportunity in the public markets, and there's exuberance that exists. That's what you're saying, right? The smartest people in the room are saying. Well, the smartest people in the room are saying that it's not going to be doom and gloom. You know, we're kind of still at the end of the cycle, but it's you know, don't panic, stay in equities, and you know, stay invested. But isn't that you're only asking half the question though? Because you're looking very much from the U.S. point of view. Being in Southeast Asia, we've got to look at China. You've got to look at what's going on on our doorstep, as well as what's happening in the U.S. In terms of like, I think Vishal, you were talking about about fundraising, like where people allocate their money. I'm looking at it more in terms of where our companies okay, are going to grow. I could be a bit where, simplistic about it because yeah. yeah, that was a very U.S. view. I think the view on China is split fifty-fifty. Some people think that China is now China 3.0, which is completely different, and therefore it's not. Foreign investor friendly. Other people say everything's beat down. You should go in. This will be the year that China recovers. It's also a separate topic to actually think about. So I think Vishal's question to you was good, which you managed to dodge.、Mm. So let's bring it back to that. Is what's your view? Oh, my view. Well, my、mm. view is I think that. Thanks, Michael. Oh, appreciate that. Okay, air five. Air five. We just got to remember, as a moderator, he does kind of sometimes control things and shovels us under the bus. That's right. So I mean, okay, the cynical side of me thinks that that's all they can say because you know, if you have the consensus view, if you read the banks' research reports, they're just going to say stay, stay invested in equities, right? Because that's what they say. But having said that, I'm optimistic that Omicron's going to save the world, and we'll see some earnings return. I don't think China quite there yet, but if you really are brave, you buy your Alibaba stock and you hold it for the next two three years. Right. I, I'll tell you what I I care about. So I don't know whether their view is reasonable or not. I'm keeping an eye out to see what happens, but I hope that the markets do well because we have a number of Southeast Asian companies that are going to be listing right in the coming year, and we want them to perform and we want them to do well for themselves、oh, yeah. in the market. And we want people to be allocating capital towards them for the sake of the whole region. So. I'm hoping that they're right about that and keeping, you know, an optimistic view. Okay, that's the, that's the best that I can do over there. Okay, right. There's、but、no from, doom. There's no doom gloom masters here. This whole room is full of optimistic, happy people. Cautiously optimistic.、Oh. 
cautiously optimistic. What I would say Where's though the is cynicism? Can, British, British okay, cynicism. Okay. All, I, all I can say is like, if you've been around as long as I have, you've got to be optimistic. Otherwise <laughs> you would have moved into a different sector. Oh, but I, I look at it in an even more simplistic way. I think for me, where the kind of simplifying it down to it's kind of very, very basic is people just want to get back to normal. And I think the minute they feel that they're just going to be positive about stuff, they'll start spending money, they will start traveling, they will, there's that, a lot of things. That's the demand side argument, right? Yeah. That a lot of people are saying that this is the year where the demand comes back because yeah. once COVID clears, yeah. you'll be surprised and shocked how much of that demand is going to come back. Yeah. So let me ask a, maybe a silly question, but something that's been on my mind about this demand side argument, which is, I think people have been spending money. It's just been going in other places. So it's not so much a demand side argument. It's, it's more reallocation rather than money that hasn't been spent being spent. So they're not going to buy you know NFTs mean? and they're going to actually take holidays. It might be that, exactly. Mm. Well, exactly. I, we can't, if you look at it, there's a lot of, you know, in 2020, you know, all of a sudden there was a lot of sports being cancelled around the world, especially cricket, which is still one of the biggest gambling sports out there. And a lot of other people decide, well, we, we, we can't gamble on sports. We're going to gamble on other things and put our money somewhere else, be it in crypto or other things that were popping up at the time. And I think bottom line is... The stock market. Stock market and everything. And I think a lot of that money will come out at some point in time because people still want to gamble with the sports opening up and they'll still want to travel. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see more about how people's habits have changed. It's like everybody moved. Like I always used to go to the supermarket to do all my shopping. Now I do everything online. Will I go back to the supermarket? The supermarket, Or will I continue shopping online? I think that's going to be the really interesting So the great thing. rotation or the great but, change. Yeah, but exactly, selling but NFTs, exact, sell my watches. Point, right? Which is that you were still buying. Yeah. So it's not that new that's demand is point. being created. It's just being reallocated from yeah. one space to another. Okay. Let me use like a sort of like slightly perverse example about this entire thing, just using what's happening in Singapore, right? Which is luxury spending seems to be at an all-time high over here. Right, like people who haven't been able to travel, like you try and get the the most hardest to come by resource in Singapore is a seat at a high end sushi restaurant. Like you want to pay or a blue people. Ferrari. <laughs> no, it wasn't that difficult. He just bought it off a person who sold cryptocurrency. <laughs> wasn't actually it was quite difficult to get that blue Ferrari. Other cryptocurrency <laughs> people were looking out. I think this is the fourth <laughs> reference to this in this episode. Vishal, but, you know the but, only way to solve that problem <laughs> is for you to buy like a plane or do something <laughs> even. Crazier, and then we'll talk oh, about for, that and not about the yacht. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Buy yeah, the yacht, and then that. we'll talk. Why don't we move to the thing that seems to be on everyone's brain, which is that since we can't travel, we can speculate and uh, invest in the future because it's not Web 1.0, it's not Web 2.0, it's Web 3.0. And Vishal, you it's just actually, came back. It's actually the 3.0 revolution across the board, right? Yeah. Like it's not just if 3.0 everything. It's, it's 3.0 global. Everything. 3.0 is the future. Is 2022. So we'll start. We'll, we'll talk about. Uh, 3.0, uh, COVID being, Omicron being 3.0, China being 3.0, but let's drill into the thing. Explain to us, uneducated, old school venture capitalists, what is Web 3.0, Vishal? You just came back from, you know, Miami. Perhaps the best way that I can explain it, that I understand it often, is by putting it in the context of Web 2.0 and Web 1.0. So Web 1.0 is read-only, 
Web 2.0 is read and write, and Web 3.0 is read, write, execute. And what execute is is that it's self-learning communities as well. So what layers you add onto Web 2.0 to make it Web 3.0 are things like artificial intelligence, for example, where machine learning can analyze reviews and then recommend to you, Michael Blakey, the most the books that you're most likely to buy online. It's algorithmic. The second thing is that it can be decentralized, right? Which is a big thing about Web 3.0, which is you don't need centralized nodes to have to control the internet. A lot of it is because of a move away from the old TCP/IP protocols or HTTP protocols to whatever it is they're building for Web 3. So if you think about everything that's happening in the in the crypto universe, whether it's Ethereum or Bitcoin, the big word over there is that it's decentralized, it's peer-to-peer, it's trustless, right? Because it's distributed across multiple people. There no There's no central repository or control, and, and I get the, the decentralized part. I really do get in terms of the, you know, execute part. I, I think we're, you know, in terms of like AI and everything else and recommendation, that's been going on for ages. Yes, so I don't so, understand how that's part of three point. Not you know, you're absolutely right. So I think that people think that it's a sharp delineation, right? Like Web three is somehow all crypto, but it happened before. It's about creating content that is self-generating to start with. That was initially how the word was used. Web three just wasn't as popular then. Now that it's trustless and decentralized, it allows for more and more of that to happen easily. So that's kind of like what's happening with Web three. But where do you think we are on, in terms of the wave? Where do you think we are on it? Because I sit here and I, I understand where you're coming from, but I don't see it really going mainstream for a few years yet. And I don't even think we like the normal Joe blogs on the street is not going to say, "Oh, this is three point oh." That they're not going to talk about that at but, all. But the same way, none of the Joe blogs on the street talked about Web two point oh. They don't care what it's called. Yeah. You just get indoctrinated into that universe, right? Think about. I'll give you a good example of this. It may not be part of what we're doing, but think about all of the people that are playing Roblox or Axie Infinity, or that are participating in the metaverse already, or are buying land in Decentraland. Right? All of these things are happening in communities all across the world that are substantial in size, and it's likely to grow over time. They're not using this phrase Web three to describe what is happening.、Mm-hmm. It's just the universe in which they, it's been built around them. And I think that it's one of those things that it will slowly become ubiquitous without us really realizing it. That's it. It's just a new layer of the internet, new new architecture that's being built to facilitate. Well, so, I'll read just, a, just just sorry, just quickly, just on,、yeah. but talking about. So I totally get where you're coming from, and talking about like the decentralized. Do you think if you look at Web 1.0 or Web 2, a lot of it was Web 1 was very much US. Yes. Web 2 was very much. It, it kind of expanded out of that, maybe into Europe and, and beginning into Asia. Three. Do you see that as a It's decentralized, not just as the, the business itself, but actually where the opportunities are going to be coming from. So, as investors, do we expect that we're going to actually see a lot more kind of global opportunities, which are going to come out of places like Southeast Asia? You know, it's like I, I agree with that, and I like that way of thinking, which is that it becomes more global, and the hubs around the world that are actually building Web three are also becoming more global. So, for example, Singapore. Miami, you know, other places that are becoming crypto hubs. Puerto Rico is becoming like a blockchain sort of like hub as well. Different parts of the world that you wouldn't think of before. And I think the ability for people to build global companies and Web three by nature is like very global. It's not as easy to build something regional in this space. You're building global companies from day one, and you can build them from anywhere, wherever you're forming communities, right? Of developers that don't have to be in Silicon Valley, don't have to be in any of the established tech hubs right now, because. 
they don't feel bought into the old way of doing Web two or Web one. And I guess also you could then make the argument that actually COVID probably has accelerated this because, in terms of like the remote working, building our teams globally, not having to all feel yes. like we have to be in one yes. place, yes, is now has probably accelerated. Yeah. I think it was always going that way, but the acceleration that you've seen over the last couple of years. Well, I've done so much research on Web three that I actually just Wikipedia Web three. <laughs> And yes, like, what is Web3? And, and it says that it was actually coined by Ethereum co-founder Gavin Wood in 2014. Mm. The idea of Web3, which is what you said. Mm-hmm. But the idea is basically decentralization of the internet. Mm-hmm. But the thing that allows it to be decentralized is blockchain. Because right. now you can own things, you can vote, which is DAO. You can you know, trade things because of the blockchain ledger that allows a very transparent and secure way of tracking everything. It's kind of like company shares, right? Yeah. 150 years ago, when the railroads started, we had shares. And before that, you owned the company, you couldn't actually fractionalize a company. And this is what's happening to the web. But it is something, like you say, you don't necessarily need tremendous amount of resources, but what you need is reputation within a community because why Solana is valuable or why some projects are valuable is because of the adoption. So it's, it's become very, very pure in its voting mechanism. You can spend all the money in the world, but if people don't adopt your Web3 decentralized product, it doesn't become valuable. Yes. You know, it's interesting. Does that makes sense? It, it does. It's okay, like, it, there's, it. A, it, there's a philosophically different approach towards building a company in Web3 and about approaching how you build like web products, right? So if you look at Web2 and Web1, the atomic unit is really a transaction or a user. And in Web3, the atomic unit is community. It's like the community that generates value of whatever project it is you're building. And the people building those projects have a very different philosophical output on how they want to build a company and what it means to build a successful company. Right, this idea of it being decentralized, about there being governance that is done in a different way, about tokens and tokenomics. I don't know if you guys have come across Yeah, yeah, of course. It's totally different from what you would imagine in a Web 2 or Web 1 universe that we are more used to in the investing that we've done over here in this part of the world. And, you know, what's interesting about these communities is this. I, they're like vegans, you know, like the pretty hardcore. <laughs> please don't, please uh, don't go down that road. They, you know what I think? Evangelist. Yeah. Evangelist. You know, like, you well, that's, I mean, a, right? that's a great trend, right? So macroeconomically, I think we're under control. Web3 is the brand new thing. It's going to be there for the next 10 years. What's the next three that you let's think? Ne- let's talk about China 3.0. So I came across a really nice article which analyzed China, and it says China has entered a new era. And the dawn of this new era can be traced back to 2012 and Xi Jinping's rise to power because there are now three eras. The first era is the Mao era, which was China organizing itself, becoming independent, becoming a nation. And then, of course, the Deng Xiaoping era, where China decided to get rich. And the only way of doing it was to decentralize and relax and let everyone become more capitalistic. And the China 3.0 is about China becoming strong. That China now flexes. Just like Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos. <laughs> China's divorced pumped McKinsey. Up. Yeah, that's right. Greater, China's know, pumped up. people up. So we shouldn't be scared of it. We should be buying Alibaba stock. We should be investing in China because China's going to be a powerful country. Michael, I don't know about you, but I think Hien's Wikipedia research has gotten a lot better. This one's actually Just from email. So, oh, yeah, okay. like, look at that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't... 
I'm not an expert in this, but it seems like a mess. Everything I read about what's going on in China, like you, you make it sound very positive. I'm not saying it's a negative, but I think there's a huge amount of uncertainty that is actually being built up now. So you, you got to stop reading the Daily Mail. Mike. I was going to say that's you know, a that's, that's a Western <laughs> liberal media viewpoint. Well, yeah. I am I'm Western, like you know. It, yeah, it's, you got to get on the CCTV you know, bandwagon, my friend. Mate, 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 I watch YouTube. <laughs> well, here's my view on China, and my take is that what they've done is they've gone on a a little bit of a company retreat. You know, decided, hey, the world's going to shit. <laughs> COVID's ravaging everything else. Every other country is distracted with their own stuff. Let us become a little bit insular and work on our own issues. You know, they've gone into one-to-one therapy. You know, like got, gathered yeah, everyone they're around. They're self-aware. Said, they're getting their exactly, shit together. Exactly. Let's whip the billionaires into shape, you know, bring them aligned philosophically with the rest of the country. Let's teach the kids, you know, like to focus on STEM education and not on video games and TikTok. Let's be the ultimate Asian parent for the country itself. Michelle, this is surely this is not about your fa- your, your mom and that's dad. That's what right? no no no. no. <laughs> no uh, there might be some trauma over there, but yeah. you know that's exactly what's happened. And so what's what's happened as a result of that is that I feel it's a far more aligned and focused nation that's poised to just do a lot because they're not worried or distracted about things that are happening outside China right now. I would disagree with that. I think the negativity globally on China has grown immensely. And I don't think that's something that is suddenly going to disappear. But they don't give a shit. Yeah, they don't care. They don't give a shit. They still require for them to be successful. They, are, they haven't built. What do, what do they require? Technology, IP, yeah. FDI? They, they, do, they do it themselves. They don't need any of that they, stuff. They, they haven't they haven't, they, and also term, apart from the US, everyone's still buying Chinese yeah. stuff. You say <laughs> that, but I, 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 you know, I would disagree in terms of they still require to sell. They externally and that there's been a huge negativity and no, it is impacting but everyone's them. still no. buying you, you, apart from you the look US boycotting f- some you know, foreign yeah. direct investment has not been the hallmark of the Chinese economy for at least 15 years the internal consumption is fine they've got their own technology they make all the handphones for God's sake they, they, they've got pretty much all the engineers they don't need the world but what they do need, by the way, is to make sure that they don't have a housing crisis or a debt crisis, that you know their kids are not on TikTok, uh, you know, like six hours a day. I mean, like a good Asian parent, they said, okay, break time's over, go back, start practicing the piano. And right now, everyone's whinging. Did you guys see the Sense Time IPO? Uh, that no, stock is doing well for itself. Is that right? Despite all of the U.S. boycotts, yeah, mm-hmm. it's raging on the and they, stock exchange. They're just going to take right? back the companies. They're going to say, you know yeah. what? Like you Chinese companies, just list on the Chinese stock exchange. It's Web 3.0. It's China 3.0. It's China flexing. Just like Jeff Bezos, they've got a new body, new girlfriend. So your ar- your <laughs> argument is is that China 3.0 is the total opposite to Web 3.0. No, I, I'm. You're going uh, well, from yeah, decentralization it's, it's to centralization. Yeah, actually, that's absolutely correct. That they are going that way. What a wonderful insight. Yes, that. I have them occasionally. Wow. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Let's move on. So if China is getting strong, Web 3.0 is going to change everything. We're going to be fine. Then what happens in Southeast Asia? Are we going to be okay? I've I've got to say this though. Like uh, Hien's Jeff Bezos idolatry has me a little worried that in another six months, he's going to shave his head and become No, no, no. Can I just say? Yeah. He is buffing up. No, can I just say? I love, I love Jeff. Like the fact that the guy went in, think about it, right? Uh, Jeff built Amazon over like 21 years, right? He's 56 years old. 
So he only started building Amazon like when he's like in his mid thirties. It's crazy. So for all these people in their twenties that I meet, I go like, oh my gosh, I'm failing in life. Jeff started this in his thirties, and then he buffed up in his fifties. Hien, yeah. I offer myself as public service to shave your head. And anytime you need that, let me done, let me get onto the growth hormone and testosterone <laughs> first. <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, dude, I'm very impressed with Jeff Bezos. Right? You know how difficult it is to build muscle in your fifties. <laughs> I mean, even with the uh, you know various things that he has, but I yeah, don't. I don't. I, I like I him. Okay, so which comes finally to the point, perhaps, of this podcast is how is that all going to affect us in Southeast Asia? Yeah. Why don't you start us off on this one? Well, one of the things that I've been finding very interesting is we're seeing a lot of startups doing quick commerce, right? For all these people who don't understand this, like this, there seems to be a wave right now of companies raising a lot of money so that we can get even lazier, like groceries in 15 minutes. Astro in Indonesia just raised a lot of money. Food Panda has these quick commerce things. I think Tokopedia, who knows when they're going to start into this thing. I bet you C is going to do it. And you know, I just shout out to Bleep Bleep, which I just used today. And I, I tested Bleep Bleep, the uh, the system where I ordered a packet of ice. Because think about it, right? You need to get ice in 15 minutes. And they did arrive and the ice was still frozen. But why is, I mean, after 20 years, after Web 3.0, like the hottest investment topic in Southeast Asia right now is you get your shit in 15 minutes. Reasonable, unreasonable, Michael? I think it's unreasonable. And I'm desperately, mm. I, a friend of mine invested in a company I'm desperately trying to remember the name of it. I just can't. Which did this in London about five or six years ago. You know, you could order whatever, you know, if you wanted like a packet of cigarettes, you could get. And I don't know, just because, you know, obviously UK, the the metrics are very different than they were in, in terms of Southeast Asia. But it was an absolute disaster. It's very, very difficult to scale as a business by itself. If you build it on top of something that you've already got, then I could potentially see it being successful but i would love to see anything being delivered within 15 minutes in jakarta no i, mean, I, I so love the service i love this. i use it all the time but like can they make money why are people investing in this thing i i honestly sure? don't know look oh, oh, oh sorry you've invested this i should invest in five which of them one, and which, the two of them are really cool. which one's yours no comment but this has been a long trend it's been happening in the U.S. for years. People have been converting, you know, old car parks, you know, corner stores, things like that into hyper-local delivery joints so that you mm -hmm. can have things even faster than before. And it's a function of two things, right? The first is people are getting lazier. And the second is people are getting more impatient. Once you get used to overnight delivery, you start to ask yourself, why can't I have five-hour delivery? Why can't I have two-hour delivery? Why can't I have 15-minute delivery, right? Which is what's happening right now. And... People are building billion-dollar companies, facilitating laziness and impatience, and it's it's a that's the epitome of convenience commerce, right? It's what we expect from everything around us. We're just expecting everything right now. It's instant gratification, right? Think about food delivery, right? The simplest example of that: having your food delivered to you within fifteen to thirty minutes. We already enjoy that on Grab Food or any of these any of these services that exist, they've just applied that playbook to groceries or things that you may need quite quick. So are you investing in quick commerce? Yeah. Yes. Have, have you invested in yes. quick commerce? No comment. Yeah, okay. No don't comment. have to name names. Just tell me, are you, have you done that? No comment. Oh, <laughs> oh he's invested. He's, 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 he's so, so invested. But I would just go. Oh, wow. Is it 
I, as you know, I'm not a big fan of the consumer investing in, in consumer facing businesses. The reality is though, is that it goes back to where I like to, like one of the areas I like to invest in, which is logistics. This only works if you've got the back end working because getting cutting edge technology for these type of companies is never going to, they're going to be using third party technology in their back end to actually be able to deliver this and keep this up to date. I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a limb here because I really didn't understand why so many people are putting money into quick commerce. But the way I look at it is, you know, 30 years ago when the Seven Eleven turned up in Singapore and you can get your stuff and it was open 24 hours a day. It was the once that concept existed today, there's so many Seven Elevens, but they are connected to a larger grocery store. And so from a logistics perspective, they've got scale. You were alive when there were no 7-Elevens? I was alive when there were no 7 I was alive. I, I was working when there was no Pret-a-Manger's, okay? Let's put it this way. So the, the idea is, the, the interesting thing is, I think it's actually going to work. But the question is, who's going to own it, right? Is it going to be a major, big Amazon, you know, Grab, Toco, C, or, you know, one of these big guys, because they have the logistical capabilities. And maybe what it is, is that a lot of these venture capitalists are investing in these things because it's a... It's, it's, it's not a Trojan horse. Right? It's, just, um, it's just, you know, you build it first and then once it gets to scale, someone will take you out. Look, well, it's a distribution and the, channel. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's a, a winner. It's, it's, an, it's a legitimate investment it's strategy. Distribution you, and logistics. Yeah. Yeah. As an investment strategy, together. look at Redmark, look at yeah. Lazada. This is all what they did. That, that They got started. They showed that there was a market. They never had scale that they could actually do it on their own. So they, so they needed somebody to come in. Yeah. And, where it works now, probably in Southeast Asia, is we've now got a number of very large unicorns, local players, who probably don't have the time to actually do this from scratch themselves. So it makes more sense for them to actually let somebody else go through yeah, all the growth pains. Have, 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 like, have we gotten back to this venture capital just about building stuff that's unprofitable and that flipping it to the unicorn? Yeah, well, no. come on. Well, I'm just. I'm, look, are we I, doing green hydrogen and shit? Look, like, I, oh, I'm just—I've got to be very careful because you know, I've got—I've got, I've got <laughs> Mr. Five Hundred startups in the next door to me. But global. I, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about the global Hashtag side. Okay. TM. I just call you Five Hundred. That's it. The type of companies that I'm looking—and we all have our different yeah, views yeah, of yeah. it. It's is like for me, I'm not looking at the consumer play. I'm looking at stuff which is it, which is kind of. Nobody's ever going to hurt here of a lot of my it's, companies. Your your venture capital them. fund doesn't do these kind of flavor of investments. But yeah. the question is, is this kind of flavor of investment actually a legitimate venture capital yeah. strategy? I think it's totally legitimate. Yeah. I so, think it's totally a reasonable approach. As long as, you know, especially Someone's going to make a lot of money somebody's, delivering and it's ice to me in 15 minutes. Somebody, somebody Eventually. Yeah. But there's going to be a lot of people that lose money. And this is all about, like, the timing. Sure. And this is... This is for every one successful company that you hear, there's probably going to be hundreds that don't succeed. Look, what has changed from people who were trying to do this, you know, five years ago, Redmart or any of those other guys that were trying to give you instant delivery or even Amazon? The big changes are consumer habits. People yeah. are used to buying the stuff online already. They're so used to food delivery. They're so used to ordering things online. They're so used to opening an app. The behavior is there and the expectation for things instantaneously is there. And so the companies that come out now, they're not teaching people new behaviors. They're not trying to give them something that they don't want and teaching them that they want it. They're giving you exactly what you want in a way that you're used to ordering it right now. Instant gratification for the instant gratification generation. That's what this stuff is. 
And I think people are going to pay for it one of these days. Like nowadays with food delivery, if you see a di- right. you know, three bucks, whatever. Priority the delivery. delivery. I I'll pay, just pay I for pay it that because too, time yeah. is precious. So laziness is going to be the big trend for 2022. It is. You know, I'll tell you something. But do you see that? Okay, in Singapore, I get you. Just, yeah. I'm, just, I'm just being kind of like, yeah, yeah, right, go here. Right. Go ahead. But do you really see that happening, that happening in like Indonesia? Is there enough? Like, Have it, you ever tried getting something and it takes 45 minutes? In Indonesia, it's even crazier. There's a real pain point over yeah. there. In Singapore, the, but, like, hey, hey, but you're not going to get anything in 15 minutes in Indonesia if, you, if, if you're going to use transport no you can no, unless but, you have but, runners but no, okay no, we don't invite you Adrian Lee for the next episode let me explain this yeah. it's like in if we are talking about Indonesia it's precisely like in Jakarta it's precisely the kind of cities in which these problems exist right you it is impossible to get it so the way hyperlocal fast 15 minute delivery exists is that you form nodes at different points within the cities in which you are able to deliver things in a radius that is 15 minutes away Right? And so they create many of these points across the city to make that happen, to solve that very problem, which is how do you get it to you in 45 minutes? And you unlike 7-Eleven, they don't need to have high real estate. Yeah. You can and just the cost put it at the delivery, back of the mall. And the cost of delivery is super cheap. Yeah. Right. We, generally, convenient stuff is still taking off and it's a continuation of a long trend. So two things that I think are going to happen in 2022, right? Yeah. Very relevant to what we're talking about. The first is, I think, some of the, the buzzword that we're going to hear for this year is going to be, I'm working on a DAO. And yeah. someone's going to yeah. describe that as something. And then we're going to try and figure what, what the hell that means. The second thing that's going to happen is that there's going to be, I think, a anxiety and schizophrenia among VCs about continuing to invest in Web 2 versus Web 3 and how that allocation is going to move in their portfolio and how they're going to define themselves in this universe. Because... You know, you need credibility in investing in the Web3 space to participate in it and, and actually de- dedicate effort, teams, competency and build it in that entire environment. And are you going to do that at the expense of investing That's why in we more have a traditional crypto internet? Fund. I know, I know. <laughs> That's why we have a crypto hashtag, fund. Hashtag. Hashtag Yen Go Crypto hashtag Fund. Hashtag Yen Go Crypto Fund. <laughs> 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 it's interesting, right? And I, don't, I think that those are two real things that are happening. And the conversations that we are having now, I think, are a small manifestation of this larger conversation yeah. that's happening in Southeast Asia as well. well I, think just, these projects. I think what's interesting though is going on to that in terms of Southeast Asia is, I think we were talking about it earlier, more and more I am seeing kind of US and European VCs are coming into Southeast Asia. So if you look at it, you know, going to the whole decentralized, I think nature of it, I think VCs, where beforehand VCs would only invest in their home country or kind of within their region. I, th- I see now, even at the Series A, I'm talking to funds now, which are in the in Europe and even the US at Series, kind of even pre-Series A, which are now looking at opportunities here because they're like saying, well, it, you know, it's not just about the US or not just about Europe. Yeah, yeah. We can find companies but, anywhere. You know, here's the thing though, like I am not surprised at all by that because it's happened in every single other industry, investment asset class, everything, which is eventually people from all around the world move into countries all around the world investing, right? Whether it's traditional corporate Japanese and Korean They've got to see the opportunity here. 
Exactly. It, yeah. And it may not happen all at once and it may take time, but it's going to happen. So the fact that it's happened now comes as no surprise, especially because Southeast Asia has enough of these large billion dollar companies to get people greedy and excited about investing in the next opportunities over here. And as you pointed out, FOMO about missing out on them. I'll try and summarize, which is that we are having a slight or maybe even a major existential crisis of where Southeast Asia's investment opportunities are going. But may I remind everybody that eight, nine years ago, we didn't even enjoy the privilege of having this existential crisis because nobody believed in the region. So I think this is great in the sense that this debate about where the world is going is now legitimately Southeast Asia is also a part of this debate. And 2022 is going to be a messy, messy year with lots of dead ends and weird places to go. But one thing is for sure, innovation is alive and well in the world. Okay, so one final thought, like everybody was disconnected from their handphones. What did you watch on the airplane? Yeah, so for the first time, I actually managed to watch quite a few things. I watched uh, Tenant, which is always great because it's great music and it's a great plot. And then I watched Icarus. I can't believe I didn't watch Icarus. Do you remember that one? Michael, what trashy Korean drama did you watch? Sadly, Singles Island. I, I wish I wish I was. For those that don't know, I do like <laughs> trashy K dramas. But sadly, I was going through an even more painful event in my life. I had to watch England get thrashed by Australia in the ashes. Oh. And the worst is, is that I didn't do it once. I did it three times, thinking that the next time it would be different, and and the and us Brits would not absolutely fuck it up, right, Roger? So I didn't watch anything interesting on the plane, but just a couple of days ago, I watched The Matrix, the new version, the new oh, Matrix movie. I heard it's crapped. It was. I heard it's crap. It was terrible. It was. It's and crap, it was right? two hours and 40 minutes long. Of your life down the I tube. I am never going to get that back. And it was my first time back in a cinema since oh, no. you know, lockdown started. And I said, okay, it's The Matrix. I spent some time re-watching the first three movies just to get myself up to speed and excited. And all the fourth movie made me realize is how good the first three movies were and yeah. how ter- absolutely terrible the fourth oh, one no. was. Because I just watched the previous three movies, I kept telling myself... It's going to get better. It's going to get better. So you can't give me grief then for keep on watching English cricket thinking is, it's going to get better. Hopefully we entertain you with this episode. If you found it terrible, don't worry because we just got back our sea legs and we will see you in a two weeks time. Thank you for listening. Thank you.